I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer, and it's going to be a great one. I have Maddie Greenspan, the founder of Quantum Economics with me today. Maddie, how are you? Good. How's it going? Doing all right, doing all right. Crazy world. So Maddie is someone who is very esteemed in the space from the investment side and also from the digital asset side. Um, spent a long time at eToro, uh, has a uh, career in finance and economics. And so this is going to be a great one to talk about all sorts of different things. Maddie, if you could, for those, what we'd like to do, just give a little kind of background on uh, what you did um, before, obviously, being the founder of Quantum Economics, and then uh, we'll find out what you're doing now at Quantum Economics. Sounds like fun. Um, so my name is Mati Greenspan. As you mentioned, I am the founder of Quantum Economics. Uh, I was a, a senior market analyst in eToro. I was there for about seven and a half years. Um, I've been paper trading since I was 13 years old. Um, so I've always had kind of, uh, um, some kind of connection with the financial markets pretty much, uh, as long as I know myself. Um, I have a license to trade a portfolio manager's license, uh, in the European union. I'm the co-author of the book, um, the complete guide to FinTech investing. Um, and, uh, yeah. That's that's not much at all. You haven't done anything. No. <laughs> Honestly, I don't feel like I have done much. Like um I feel like there's so much more that I want to do. Well, time time is of the essence and I'm sure you're you're going to be at it. So what I'd love to do is kind of jump right in. And so there's a lot of things that are happening, obviously, in the world. We have a global pandemic here in the States. We're dealing with social upheaval. Um, and we're dealing with a market that is, in my opinion, fairly irrationally exuberant. Um, but let's go into it first and foremost. I had a family office today, actually, ask me about my opinion uh, about USD as reserve currency. Any issues with that, the future predictions that you may have on that? As I told them, there's already data that some of the percentages are actually favorable to say that it's losing its its reserve uh, status. Uh, those numbers have been coming down, according to the IMF. So we'd love to hear your, th- your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been one of my uh forecasts for what when i did in january on january 1st i did a uh basically a decade forecast you know one of the 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 four most likely things to happen and one of them was that some event is going to come along that'll damage the 
um, US dollar status as the global reserve currency. Um, now these things don't usually happen. They, they every once in a while throughout history they happen uh, quite suddenly, but usually they're they're more gradual. Um, so I, I feel that it's more likely you know, now that you know the US dollar has been king for so long um, that uh, something else will come along. Um, and of course, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about uh, central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, and um, the efforts of China and most other central banks in the world to kind of upgrade their payment system. And uh, the United States, unfortunately, um, as with many things that are uh, digital asset based, they're, they're kind of behind at the moment. Um, so this was kind of my, my view in January. Um, today, I actually heard something that gave me a little bit of encouragement uh, for the U.S.'s abilities, which was uh, hearing in Congress with uh, Chris Giancarlo, who is the former head of the CFTC, and um, he's one of the biggest uh, proponents of the digital dollar. Uh, they actually call him Crypto Dad on, uh, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, during the hearing, it was quite clear to me that the Congress people um, understood the idea of CBDCs and they understood that from the questions they were asking that those that these new digital assets do have um, kind of a capability of undermining the U.S. dollar's role within the global economy. So they were asking questions to that effect. Um, and what it seems to me is they're, they're now finally ready to get this thing on the road. And of course, um, you, you never want to really bet against American ingenuity and inno American innovation. Um, the government, on the other hand, is a different thing. So as soon as the government's on board, I feel that the U.S. has the ability to innovate here um, much better than other countries. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see where it goes. It's, it's very early stage and, and still quite exciting. So you brought up CBCDs um, and you know, obviously China with DCEP. I'm curious, some have asked me at this question specifically, do they infringe or do they hamper Bitcoin and other digital assets? Uh, whew, there's a lot in that question. Um, mm -hmm. Yes and no, maybe. It depends from what angle. I mean, it depends how they're implemented, I would say. Some will, some won't. I mean, there's, you know, many different central banks around the world and each one is going to have their kind of own version of CBDC. Um, and then you have to you know, you also have to ask the question, what is good for Bitcoin and what is not good for Bitcoin, right? Because um, in, 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 some, in, in some opinions, um, you know, governments cracking down on cryptocurrencies is actually good for cryptos because it increases their uh, value and use case, right? Because uh, you, you know, the, the, the government's best way to get rid of crypto is to actually, you know, um, implement uh, crypto-like features that put it on the same level and um, make it comp uh, competitive with cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. So just kind of get rid of the uh, get rid of the need for them. Um, so I suppose there's a very very fine line. I mean, Bitcoin is already pretty much integrated into the system, um, as far as I see. 
it's already, um, you know, from retail to Wall Street, it, institutional investors are already have full access to Bitcoin. They're able to diversify into their portfolio. Um, I don't know that there's much that they could do to hamper it um, in the United States, especially if there's a digital dollar. It might make things a bit easier. It might make things people understand it. I don't know that a digital dollar would necessarily uh, hurt or help Bitcoin, and it would really depend how they implement it. But if you look at China, for example, where you know the government is a bit more um, on top of uh, what their citizens are doing and a bit you know care a bit more about their personal transactions and um, are a bit less friendly towards Bitcoin. Um, I think that that could uh, maybe make it harder for people to access Bitcoin there. But is that a good or bad thing for Bitcoin? I guess time will tell. Do you agree or disagree with this? So CBCDs are akin to what we would call stable coins. There's really not a lot of speculation on future accretion and value. Bitcoin is an asset where it is akin to gold, where there is speculation on the future accretion of value. Agree or disagree? Mostly agree. Um, you know, fiat currencies are, are actually, they're not designed to go up in value, but they're also not designed to keep, to hold their value. Um, fiat currencies are actually designed to go down in value over time. Right. So, Another thing I'd like to kind of get your thoughts are on the broader scale of the market. So reading the journal just a little while ago, so U.S. stocks are on the cusp of wrapping up their best quarter in more than 20 years, a remarkable rally after the coronavirus pandemic brought business around the world to a virtual standstill. That's coming directly from the Wall Street Journal. They talk about how during the capitulation that U.S. indexes lost about 35% of their value in less than six weeks. And so we've had a subsequent rebound. Now, there is speculation, and I would love for you to opine about this, that it was the Fed and the unprecedented amount of printing they've done. And obviously, you and I are very familiar with the meme, the printer go burr. And that has been a rallying cry of many of us. But others have speculated that the retail traders of the, the Dave Portnoy's of the world have rebounded this as they've been speculating because they no longer have sports and they no longer have those avenues of gambling that they have poured hundreds of billions of dollars into the market to play that game. What do you think? Which is the more effective one here, the Fed or the Robin Hood Portnoy crew? Um, that is an excellent question, and I, I think that it's actually a bit of both. Um, one thing that uh, retail investors have now is a bit of additional uh, ex a disposable income um, by way of uh, fiscal stimulus. So um, there's there's two kinds of stimulus, really, right? There's there's um, the the kind of the the central bank kind, which is called monetary stimulus. Um, but then there's stimulus from the government itself, which is called fiscal stimulus. So those are the relief checks that people get, $1,200 per person in the United States. Um, and those go uh, more directly into the economy, right? So the central bank stuff, that generally tends to stay within the financial market. So it doesn't, um, you know, affect inflation or, you know, it doesn't really get uh, drip down to, trickle down to uh, the people on the street very much. Um, and I do believe um, evidence shows that there is a very strong um, 
surge in retail uh, day traders uh, since the coronavirus started, both because they have more time, but also because they have that extra uh, that extra stimulus, and they're very happy to put it into the markets. Many people, you know, uh, collecting unemployment now or getting other benefits. Um, uh, and they have a little bit more money and they're not spending as much, right? Because nobody's going out shopping, you're not going to restaurants. What are you going to do with your money? Uh, so a lot of people are putting that into the markets, uh, no doubt. Um, but that's also uh, a very scary thought because these type of retail um, rallies, retail driven rallies rarely end very well. And, you know, Dave Portnoy knows that. Uh, and he's, he's, you know, he's doing his best to kind of prolong it. But, um, you know, when you're, when, when you're one guy with uh, several, you know, a few million dollars followed by a million, a million guys with a thousand dollars, you're still no match for, uh, you know, the likes of, uh, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and Citibank, and all of the all of those crew uh, who can very easily um, just take all that money. Yeah, it's it harps back to Q4 of 17 with Bitcoin and the tremendous rally there, where a lot of people got in and they didn't have new they had no idea what they were holding. Um, they just wanted to go for the ride, and that's what I've been kind of feeling about this whole thing, especially with the Robin Hood crew. So I'm hoping that obviously they have cooler heads and that they do, uh, do what's right, obviously for themselves, but it kind of drew uh, a little bit of that, uh, remembrance about that time period. I'm curious. So I was also reading that Dr. Fauci here in the United States is now basically it seems like he's predicting or he's alerting us all that about a hundred thousand cases on a, I think it was on a weekly or daily basis may be possible here in the United States now. And so we're going to see a tremendous uptick because we relaxed a lot of the things here too early. Um, we've seen major, you know, kind of surges in Texas and California from an economic standpoint, looking at GDP, Texas and California both account for a significant amount of national GDP here. If they both have to go into periods of lockdown again, how bad do you think the the forecasts could be in the coming next few quarters? That's an interesting question as well. Um, March and April, I mean, this is never going to happen again. It, it, I don't think that it can. I don't think that people would just willingly go back into their homes and go on lockdown and <laughs> just like that. Um, not on such a massive level. Uh, what the authorities have learned, and rightly so, um, is that first of all, it's very difficult to quarantine people uh, who are healthy, uh, even if you know, even if it's the right thing to do. It's debatable. It's very difficult to implement. What they're what they're getting good at is identifying specific geographic locations. Um, or even sectors of the market, so barbershops or bars, restaurants, indoor restaurants, outdoor restaurants, segregated the economy into little pieces. And that makes it a lot easier to do shutdowns without having this kind of um, sweeping effect across markets, right? Mm. Um, But, you know, it's true that the 
you know, COVID-19 cases are, are rising. Even the World Health Organization this morning uh, was out with the statement that the worst is yet to come. But the question is really, you know, how much, you know, how much do people really care and um, how much uh, is it going to affect things at the end of the day? Um, I guess what we're, we're about to find out. Agreed. Um, and so pivoting just to digital assets, um, as it relates to the overall market, um, we've seen some people have hit me on Twitter and have kind of been asking me, you know, gosh, it's just kind of stagflating, you know, crypto Twitter seems to be kind of slow the last week or two, you know, Bitcoin doesn't seem to be doing very much in terms of the price. Now I don't want you to come on. I don't talk about price predictions at all. I don't do that. Uh, I don't really believe in, in doing that, but would you say that we're in a little bit of a lull right now in terms of volume, in terms of activity on the digital asset front, or are we waiting for some new catalysts to come in? What do you, do you got a sense of anything that's happening in the overall market right now? Yeah, hundred percent, David. Um, I'm actually an advisor on a uh, company called Lunar Crush, which is lunarcrush.com, who actually tracks and um, analyzes uh, social media data uh, for crypto assets. Um, and, uh, they've been posting a lot lately about how, about this decline that you're talking about. Um, we can also see it in the volumes, uh, across exchanges, uh, both uh, retail exchanges, crypto exchanges, and institutional, ex uh, institutional on ramps. Um, there was a lot of excitement around the happening, right. And then mm -hmm. I think from there, uh, things kind of just tapered off. It just got less exciting for a bit. Um, you know, people were trying to use Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation. Um, but, you know, and then it became clear to most people that inflation might come later, that it's not coming right now, that inflation is not an imminent threat. Mm -hmm. So therefore, people say, okay, if we do start seeing inflation, that's when I'll uh, invest in Bitcoin. Um, we haven't seen Bitcoin as much as a uh, hedge against volatility in the other markets. Uh, in fact, it's been extremely correlated with uh, the Dow Jones and the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. um, so in that sense, there isn't really much advantage of trading Bitcoin when you can uh, you know, trade the stocks, which are uh, a lot more liquid from, an, from a portfolio manager's perspective. So. Um, you know, the idea, the, the long-term factors are all still in play, the limited supply, digital scarcity, um, you know, uh, there's only 21 million of them. And, uh, that awareness, uh, is increasing over time. Bitcoin is becoming more and more of a regular household name. Right. Um, so those type of long-term factors are still at play, but in the meantime, right now, while the price is has, has basically been flat for the last two months, uh, three months. So since, since early May, the price has been almost flat between uh, between about $9,000 and $10,000, which is a very narrow range for Bitcoin. There just isn't that much interest in trading it right now. So the volumes go down and the social media posts go down. Agreed. And so I think the... Last thing I'd love you to talk about, obviously you've just opined and waxed on about kind of the global macro and about digital assets for the last 20 some odd minutes. 
What is quantum economics? Right. So um, quantum economics is um, a firm that does research, um, analysis, advisory, and money management. Um, basically, we've uh, we've got three different avenues. Uh, so that can be, so the analysis is basically, um, we're, we're doing, so I write a daily newsletter, um, which you can subscribe to for free on our website. Um, this is basically, uh, just gives you the news and what's influencing the markets. What are the best trends and opportunities? And of course, um, I get a lot of great feedback. Uh, on that people really like enjoy reading it even people who don't read emails so, yeah. and even people who who are not interested in financial markets at all they say i read your email every day just because i like you know i like you know uh keeping up with stuff mm-hmm. um we've also put together now the what i believe is the strongest analysis team um that's ever been in crypto uh we've got uh four uh, analysts right now, I, we're just onboarding a fifth and, um, that's headed by, uh, our VP of content. His name is Charles Boverd, who is a senior writer at Forbes. Uh, he's a consultant with Moody's analytics and, uh, the founder and president of the financial writers society. And, uh, we, we basically put out a lot of content on medium, of course, and uh, we also do custom tailored content, which is called analysis on demand. So for exchanges, brokers uh, who are looking to increase engagement with their clients, let's say a daily newsletter or a weekly newsletter, uh, research papers, uh, white papers, uh, blog posts, articles, uh, any, uh, or even podcasts. Uh, we're just starting to do video content right now. So uh, we should have some kind of uh, videos out pretty soon. Um, so that's all under the uh, analysis section of uh, quantum economics. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as advisory, uh, I mentioned I'm an advisor on a project called Lunar Crush. I'm also an advisor to Chili's, which is the fan tokens mm-hmm. uh, who've recently launched. Um, Barcelona token, which is, uh, in my view, um, one of the most exciting projects in the space right now, just based on the target audience. Which tell people about that because I, I know I have some knowledge about it, but tell people about it because it is fascinating. Right. So fan tokens are basically a way for, uh, I don't know, uh, not to, it, it's starting with football uh, or soccer, as they would call it in America. Um, but sports teams, but also later on, it could be, you know, uh, singers or any kind of, uh, fan engagement, right? So the idea is to increase fan engagement. Um, the use case that, uh, the soccer teams are finding, um, is basically the first use case is kind of a voting system. Um, and we've seen already several successful votes where, um, fans can come in and weigh in on uh, uh, decisions of the club, uh, such as the logo, uh, the club's official logo, or the design of the dressing room, uh, or artwork, uh, songs that are played in the stadium, uh, stuff like that. And that's all done through the Socios app. And then you have to hold, you have to be a token holder in order to participate. Um, COVID-19 has given that additional use cases, for example, um, token holders 
uh, actually had the opportunity of being in the stadium or non-present uh, attendance. Basically, I'm sure you've seen uh, sports cookie cutters of people, right? Of sports players, mm-hmm. right? And um, so they basically made cookie those same kind of cookie cutters of the fans themselves and placed them in the stadiums for the games, especially where they're playing, you know, for an empty uh, stadium. Uh, you'll have, uh, you know, a, 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 a row of seats full, filled with um, those cookie cutters of the fans so they can right. kind of be there in spirit. But there's, a, um, you know, sports leagues, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're really focused on uh, the performance of the team, right? The athletic side. You know, they, they, they deliver excellence. That's what they do. That's what their business model is. And generally speaking, um, the monetization aspect, I mean, that just, you know, it comes along with it, right? They, they, they do very limited monetization of that uh, until, until now, which is, you know, they'll, they'll do sponsorships where they put, you know, somebody's logo on the jersey or play the logo in the stadium itself. Um, but they haven't really, they don't really do as much deep dive, uh, on social media They're they're really late to this space. And, um, what the fan tokens do is that gives them kind of, um, a digital way, digital solution to increase engagement, uh, across their social media networks and to really be connect with the fans in a more meaningful way and to monetize it as well. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just a super exciting project. Uh, when, 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 uh, we launched the Barcelona token, um, the fan engagement was incredible because, you know, Barcelona has, you know, FC Barcelona has about 60 million uh, followers on Twitter alone. Uh, you know, never mind Instagram and, and, you know, to see, um, accounts of that magnitude uh talking about tokens uh it, it just kind of gave me a very warm fuzzy feeling uh that this is the, this is the future that we're going to and it's powered by the blockchain i agree it's uh as a sports fan myself and as, as a football fan myself it's been something where it's been great to see the premier league come back but you know i agree that this is a very unique use case for digital assets and so Love that. Where can people uh, correspond with you? Where can they, you mentioned, uh, obviously, the newsletter. Just give them a place where they can go so they can get in touch with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, that's my son there. Um, quantumeconomics.io is our website. Uh, you can read all about the team there. Uh, we also have a trading course, which is a full uh, crypto trading master class. Awesome. This is the life of, of, of quarantine, folks. So we all have our kids here. So it's great that uh, we get to hear yours. Mine are in the back somewhere and trying to keep quiet as well. But that's just the way that life is these days. So it's all good. This is great. This is so insightful. Thank you for all of your opinions on the market and everything that's happening there. Guys, everyone check out quantumeconomics.io. I uh, definitely recommend, as I said, I've been reading this stuff for a while and it's great. And we'll have you back on maybe in a few months and catch up. Thanks for coming on. All the best. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. 
Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.